Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And yes, I'm so happy that you are here today. Why don't you take your Bible and meet me in Psalm 113. Let's drop down to verse seven. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord. And look at verse seven. Concerning the Lord, it says that he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. My friends, you may be in a, a, a case or a situation where you're not technically what we would call poor. After all, even in America, when we have a poverty line in America, uh, it's very much different from poverty in other parts of the world where there are certain undeveloped nations that don't have running water, that don't have sanitation, water treatment plants, sewer systems, or things like that. So uh, the case may be that it's not like you're homeless or you're sitting around, you know, on the dirt somewhere. Although if you are, verse 7 would certainly be applicable to the person who's looking to the Lord for deliverance and help. He raises the poor out of the dust. So should you be in a place like that and you're just happening to hear this message somehow, maybe over somebody's phone or somebody's TV or something like that. Maybe you're sitting outside of the window and you can hear somebody on the inside of their house and uh, they're playing this message and you're sitting literally in the dirt well, the Lord can lift you up, praise God. And that's what's amazing with God. In the natural system of the world, you're going to have to meet certain criteria for a lifting. But with the Lord, He can take anybody that's down and out. And if you'll look to Him and begin to walk with Him, He can take you all the way to the top. Praise God. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes. Now, again, you may not be a person, of course, who's sitting in the ash heap, but you also at the same time may not be seated with princes, which is where God wants you to be. In other words, there's an area of your life where God wants success to be reflected in that place where you're supposed to have success and blessing and where God wants you to honorably be seated at. So while you may not be sitting on the dirt, you also at the same time, you may not be seated with the princes where God wants you to be in that league. He wants you to be in that realm because that's the voice that he has given you. That is the place that he has assigned for you. And you, you know that you belong there. So what is the Lord doing? He's raising and he's lifting and he's seating his people in their proper places. Praise God. You know, if you're an eagle, then you're going to have to eventually begin to pull away from the chickens. And the chickens might like you, but the chickens think different. They, they act different. They talk different. And eventually you realize that the Lord wants you to be seated higher up. Praise God. It's not a spirit of pride or arrogance. It's just knowing that as you separate yourself un unto the plans, the purposes of God, 
the things that God would require of you, you respond to that. You're willing to be obedient and to develop yourself in the areas that the Holy Spirit would highlight and that God is working within you upon your heart and so forth. Then what he will do is he will lift you into that place of honor, of being distinguished. So I want to say continue to honor God with your finances so that you can experience the lifting power of God and thus you can reach those categories. You can reach that strata that God wants you to walk in. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I, I see the Lord working in the lives of many of you to bring you out of debt because the areas that God wants you to be in, those are debt-free areas. Praise God. Amen. God's doing great things right now, great miracles of blessing, His people pouring out His Holy Spirit. So allow Him to lift you up. Again, uh, it's not like there's many people in America sitting around uh, on an ash heap or sitting in the dust somewhere with no clothes or no food. Uh, there's... Uh, ministries, and there's all kinds of organizations that reach out to help those people in those situations. But I'm saying again, at the same time, while you're probably not in a category like that, you also may not be seated yet in the place that God wants you to be seated in. And that's really where he wants to take you to. And you need to continue the work with the Lord and work his principles so that that place of honor is the place that you're seated in. Praise God. And again, we do want to work God's principles. We want to obey his commandments that, that generate that lifting power of God to be uh, fluctuating when I say fluctuating, I don't mean up and down. I'm talking about it's just operating. It's flowing and working in your life, that lifting power. And one of those things is that we want to honor the Lord with the tithe. You know, there's various restaurants here in town, but the one that's probably um, the best, I, I, and it's certainly not fine dining, but as far as just consistent good customer service and a good product is Chick-fil-A. And I'm not really excited about chicken or anything like that. But uh, the thing is, is that uh, Chick-fil-A is actually now the second largest uh, restaurant franchise in America. And I'm sure the first one would be a McDonald's. But I can go to a McDonald's and, uh, you know, purchase a hamburger or something like that. And uh, sometimes the customer service is... Uh, Wow, it's, it's incredibly poor. It's just really, really bad. But even on an off day at Chick-fil-A, everybody's nice. <laughs> even if the fries got undercooked, everybody's still nice. And usually, 9 out of 10, the food's always on spot. It's always dialed in too. But here's something I want to say. Is that even with all of these other restaurant chains, whether it's Wendy's or or, you know, Burger King, or, and I, I, don't, I hardly ever eat at those places anyhow. But even with all of them, uh, Chick-fil-A is closed all day on Sunday. And so the founder of Chick-fil-A said that he was going to always keep Sunday closed because it's God's day. It's the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead and the church meets on the first day of the week. So he's going to keep Sunday closed so his employees can go to church and things like that. And then he said, he said, if we can't do 
what we're supposed to do in six days, what difference is another day going to make? See what I'm saying? And there are those that think, well, I can't give God the tithe because I've got to have all the money I, I need to pay bills. <laughs> Look, if 10% uh, is this massive turnaround in your life, then uh, the this is a really hurting situation. If you, in other words, if you can't get done with what you need to get done with 90%, it's not like this other 10, this other 10% is going to radically alter your life and put you way over the hill. No, it's just, it's just another 10% stacked onto the 90. It's not the game changer. It's only the game changer when you become a tither and say, Lord, the tithe is yours, I'm going to give the tithe to you first. If I made $1,000 this week, Lord, the first thing is I'm taking 100 out, which is the tithe. That's 10% out of the gross, not the net. And I'm giving that to you. And it's basically saying to the Lord, Lord, I trust you. And this trade-off is a lot bigger than, uh, than what it would appear to be on paper. It actually just allows God to step into your life, begin to work with you, begin to protect you. Uh, you get the supernatural insurance policy laid out in Malachi chapter 3. It's incredible. Amen. Teaches you faith, teaches you kingdom principles. But again, also that it activates all of these other dynamics, the lifting dynamics, so that you are seated with princes. Wow, praise God. Glory to God. I see your lifting as something that's actually assured, something that would even have a stamp of a guarantee on it. As you continue to honor the Lord with your finances, you honor him. You give him the tithe. The tithe belongs to him. On special occasions, when you are able, you sow a seed, or that is you give an offering above your tithe. Praise the Lord. And all of these things are principles that God established for your lifting. Remember, these things aren't for God. He's already lifted. <laughs> He's already up. The Bible says that the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. So it's not like we need to lift God up. He's already up. All of these kingdom dynamics are for our benefit and therefore our lifting. Even the tithe. Um, our 10% is not something that God says, oh, that's so good that my sons and daughters are giving their 10%. Now I can finally meet payroll with all these angels. <laughs> it's kind of silly, right? But uh, we know it. It doesn't work like that. Well, then what's the purpose of it? It's for us. It's for our lifting. It's for our lifting. Amen. Praise God. So again, I want you to understand God's not trying to take something from you because he's needy. He's actually, and it's his nature. He's trying to get something to you. And when we understand it, really, that's actually how God is. He's not trying to take, he's actually trying to get goodness to us, blessing to us, increase and lifting to us. Then it changes our mindset, our approach of what we do praise God. And it also causes your heart to open up. Amen. Cause you want in on these good things. Praise the Lord. All right. Now let's go ahead and obey the Lord. Let's bring the tithe into the storehouse. And those of you also that would like to give an offering. Amen. We have options of various projects you can sow into as well. Okay. If you want to mail your tithe and offering in, please send it to Stephen Brooks international PO box 717 
Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. And the post office is just right over there. Amen. Our administrator picks the post, goes to the post office, picks the mail up every day. Your mail comes into uh, the storehouse here. Amen. It's brought into the ministry for the work of the Lord to continue. Amen. Thank you for your tithes and offerings. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Where would the church be without tithers? <laughs> you know, think about that. <laughs> Where would church buildings be without tithers? <laughs> oh my goodness. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, please visit the website of the ministry, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage. It has a red heart and it says give. You can click that and bring the tithe in right there. If you want to sow some uh, special seed, you want to give an offering. We have a orange banner that says projects and you can click on that and you'll see the various projects we are working on. Again, thank you for your support. And I, I thank God for you. And I'm praying for you that you be seated by the Lord himself, that you be lifted and seated amongst princes. Who are the princes? Those are the ones in your field, in your career, in your walk of life, where you are shown honor and you are recognized and distinguished for your contributions and for the grace that you walk in. Mm-mm. It's, it's a lifting. It's a lifting. Amen. That's also, of course, when you're lifted like that because of the, the great contributions you're making, it is a tremendous witness for Jesus and gives you the opportunity to role play as the ambassador of Christ. Amen. Cause you can go places. I can't get to, you can, uh, you have access into the world or to the circles that you walk in. Amen. And I know that you take Jesus with you. Praise the Lord. Father bless your people. I thank you, Father God, that you are lifting them into these places of prominence, these places of distinguishment, and these places of honor. And that's the area that you have for them. I thank you, Father God, that these are your kingdom people. These are the covenant keepers. Hallelujah. These are your very best. That's the word I'm getting. These are God's best. Amen. These are the... Lord, I thank you that uh, even my ministry, it's not for everybody. It's certainly not for the rebels. <laughs> so I thank you, Father, for your obedient ones. And I thank you that your kingdom moves forward with grace and beauty and excellence. Thank you for your people. I thank you that your lifting is taking place in their life today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, there are some that argue about tithing, tithing, and they're not going to do it. Even if Jesus and 10 angels sat down and opened up the scriptures, they're, they're just not going to do it. And they're Christians too. That, that's okay. That's, that's going to be between them and the Lord. But uh, as for us, uh, in our house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, today, let's talk about the spiritual man. Or for you ladies, we could call it the spiritual woman. Amen. But in essence, we're looking at being a spiritual person. And let me just insert this very quickly. Take a little pause here just for a moment. We do have our Israel tour brochure. And you can actually view this online. 
And I apologize that I didn't have a, a header on the website for the Israel tour. It's actually on one of the sliders. I think it's the third slider. I'm going to have to have that adjusted and put as the first slider. So it's the first thing you see when you go to the website. But um, this is on the third slider. If you click on it, you'll see the entire digital brochure and the tour dates for Israel, May 7 through the 17th, 2023. It's going to be a fantastic time. I wish I could convey to you how much you're going to learn and how much you are going to receive uh, concerning phenomenal knowledge that will illuminate you concerning the Holy Land, and it will make so much of the Bible come alive for you. Praise the Lord. And plus, it is just, uh, it's just an absolutely tremendous trip. Beautiful, beautiful hotels, the best food you've probably have ever eaten in your life. And you know what? Just a whole lot of fun together as we will be together traveling day each day on a beautiful uh, luxury coach. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. If you want to go ahead and call and just uh, make it even easier, you can call and get registered. Uh, just call 800-929-4684 and select option two. Again, 800-929-4684, option two. And I know there's others uh, outside of America that want to join us. And they have asked, uh, Pastor Steve and I, uh, what I want to come. I'm from the UK or I'm from, uh, you know, Taiwan or Singapore or whatever the case might be. And so, yes, you can come on the tour as well. Just call that uh, number or go online and get registered. And the prices are set uh, for flying out of the USA. Uh, and so the tour company, they just adjust your price for uh, wherever you're flying from. For example, if you're flying from the UK and you're going to meet us there on the tour, well, you have a lot shorter distance to fly, which is nice. So uh, they just uh, factor that price in uh, instead of the price of leaving out of the USA. They'll take care of that for you. And I look forward to seeing you in the Holy Land. Praise God. Today, let's begin in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Praise God. We're going to talk about uh, spirituality, being a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. Let's pray. Father, as we're jumping into your word today with hunger and anticipation, Father, let your Holy Spirit come bringing revelation, knowledge, illumination that dispels all fear and dismantles all religious air castles. We thank you, Father God, that your yoke is easy. Jesus said that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So we thank you for entrance into your kingdom, entrance into your way of doing things and finding real joy and living in this kingdom walk. Now we thank you, Father, in Jesus name we pray. And together we say, Amen. Philippians chapter four, let's go on down to verse six. Paul, the apostle said, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, anxiety can certainly creep in and creep upon us. And that's a, a tremendous uh, indicator, almost like waving a flag. Hey, you need to stop, slow down, go do some prayer, have some time alone with the Lord and dissolve that anxiety so that it's not something that sticks and then turns into something uh, Worse, because anxiety can begin to really 
do a number on your insides. Yes, it can be reflected on your outside with tension, uh, you know, or, you know, you get maybe get unsettled really easy or something like that. But on the inside, it can create, you know, ulcers and on and on it goes or, you know, uh, blood pressure problems and uh, all of that crazy stuff. So uh, stay in the peace of God. Don't let anxiety come on you. Uh, now, in this world, we'll have plenty of opportunities <laughs> for anxiety, you know, to, to knock, on, knock on the door. But we're not going to allow it to develop into that. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. So here is the remedy to stay in peace and happiness in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication, of course, is this area of uh, asking God, you know, talking with God about your needs. The thing is, is that even with prayer and supplication, you, it's just like a, a conversation with the person. Sometimes you can't just rush right into the thing that you really want to talk about. Uh, it's kind of awkward, you know, it's be, it would be awkward to do that with a person. Uh, you want to sit down at first and say, hey, good to see you. How you're doing? You know, this the kind of the normal stuff that you do. Well, you do that with God also. You sit down and talk to the Lord a little bit and praise him and thank him. And, you know, you work with those scriptures, enter into his gates with praise. You know, uh, you, know you want to have thanksgiving as you come before him. And those things like that, the Lord appreciates that. And so what I'm trying to say is just slow down and don't try to rush into the place where, Lord, I'm anxious and I've I got to dump all this on you right now. Well, uh, you can pour it all out, but at least come on in, uh, you know, as we would say, enter into the house respectfully, greet the, uh, greet the Lord. Lord, it's good to see you. I'm glad I'm con I can talk to you and bring these things to you today. And, uh, and then begin to uh, unwind, relax, and begin to talk and present those things to the Lord in prayer. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so you just pour all of that out and talk it all before the Lord. And then we move into verse 7, which is the result of obeying verse 6. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that, that is so true that it surpasses all understanding. And so often the situation, it's not like it changes within one hour. Maybe it doesn't even change within 24 hours. But you're now in a place of peace and it's not bugging you anymore. It's not irritating you anymore. Maybe it hasn't changed yet. But you know God's working, and He's working at everything out, and everything really is going to be okay. This is also not just like, you know, like praying about something and then like thinking God will do it all, and we don't have to do anything. Sometimes when you pray, uh, the Lord does reveal insights into steps that we can take to do our part to turn a, t a tough situation around, or uh, sometimes these little, little ideas or thoughts drop into your mind. Uh, oh, yes, Lord, I'll do that. I'll do that. And so, you know, if uh, it's good to have a like a notepad with you when you pray. If you don't, uh, on your on your phone or on your tablet or something like that, which is probably close to you, uh, there's those segments for notes. So just take those little notes down so that way it doesn't distract you. If you could just write it down, then you could forget about it during the rest of your prayer time because you know you've written it down and you can go back later and do it. 
So when I get those little things from the Lord, I just write them down. And that way I'm not trying to hold all this stuff in my memory uh, during a prayer conversation. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so you can live in peace in a world that has a lot to throw at us from different angles. And uh, the thing about life, of course, is that you have to develop symmetry because you can get really good at something and have everything in your life working beautiful in one area. But then you know what? There's always another area you have to, you're like, Oh, I've got to take care of this too. <laughs> so all of this that you start to have to juggle. And of course, when you uh, move on in life and you, you know, you, you move past your twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, uh, each decade has different things that you encounter. And so you have to make adjustments and you have to work with all of that. And it really is quite a balancing act as all of you know, cause you're living on the same planet that I am. So we thank God that we can bring these things to the Lord and give them to him in prayer. And he works, he, he hears our prayers and he answers. Now, uh, sometimes we have to put a little bit more uh, sauce on the, on the situation. Uh, I had some rice the other day, and I put some soy sauce on it, and I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't enough. So I went back to the refrigerator, grabbed the soy sauce, and put a whole bunch more. It just needed some more. <laughs> and sometimes with your prayer life, you can come into places where um, you're fooling yourself if you had a nice prayer time and you think, well, that's it. I obeyed Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. That's it. God's got it. But in your heart, you're like, wow. Yeah, I prayed about it, but um, this is a real, real situation here. And I, I, I need some real answers. In other words, I have to have God move. Well, in situations like that, there are some things we can do that you can still get into the peace of God and also still get the miracle. So I would say that what we're looking at in Philippians 4 deals really good with most of the things that we face in normal everyday situations. But there can be some other things that uh, swoop in, maybe even beyond our control, such as a couple of nations going to war with each other, and maybe you live in one of those nations, and then uh, maybe you're right in the war zone or something like that, then suddenly we have to step up the game. And there are, uh, there are keys that we can utilize in times like that as well. Let's look just for a moment in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11 Praise God. And I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Amen. Receiving God's good word. Luke chapter 52, excuse me, not chapter 52, chapter 11, verse 52. Jesus said, woe to you lawyers. And, and of course, that's not what we would think as, as a modern day lawyer today. You know, uh, this is different. These would be the experts in the, uh, the Mosaic law. He said, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in you hindered. So Jesus uses the analogy of, of understanding or what we would call revelatory knowledge, something that you ha you have an understanding of what it is and how it works. He refers to that as being a key or these various keys in this area of understanding. 
Amen. And so the Lord wants us to have these keys because uh, they all open different kingdom doors. And you have the Philippians chapter four key, and that opens the door of peace and uh, a peace that goes beyond understanding. But sometimes you need a, another key because the situations can get a little more complicated. Praise God. And so for that, we have the key found in Isaiah chapter 58. Let's go over there today for a moment. Isaiah 58. We're kind of bounce around a little bit in this chapter, very, very powerful chapter, because this begins to uh, introduce us into the area where we combine prayer and fasting. So prayer alone is beautiful. And if, if you don't have a prayer life that's consistent, then you'll get all spiritually dried up and withered out. And you want to maintain your joy. You want to stay vibrant and fresh. And that's what prayer does. But again, sometimes you need to put a little extra on the situation. And so you have to press more praise God and life uh, will demand it of you. Praise God. So we have Isaiah chapter 58, which shows us how we can combine prayer and fasting together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I really trust that the Holy spirit would dissolve any fear of fasting away from you. I know it's a word that uh, people uh, in the church hear the word fasting and it creates almost like an immediate drawback like, Oh, Oh God, anything but that. But you know what? Again, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So as we're talking about fasting, I'm not saying that you have to launch into a 40 day fast and go sit on the top of a mountain for the next 40 days. Now, if you want to do that <laughs> and you have the time and the ability to do that, well then praise the Lord. Amen. But that, that would be the rare, the rare moment. Praise God. So, you know, sometimes just a one day fast or just three days, maybe with a, you know, drinking juice or something like that can really bring you back into that place of tremendous peace where these things that are swirling out there that would try to put anxiety on you, uh, you get your shield up and they can't bug you anymore. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 58 verse six. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free. So these burdens uh, uh, and even various yokes that can be put on God's own people. There is a key to get out of that. And you can use prayer and fasting and you can dissolve these things out of your life. And I can't even explain how God does it, how he removes things, how you can feel like you're between a rock and a hard place as the proverbial statement says, and there's no way out. But yet when you fast and pray and get into the peace of the Lord and your faith is strengthened somehow, some way the dilemma is dissolved and you're out and you're free. And God wants you to know this powerful key in your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus to loose the bonds of wickedness. And it really does do that. Wicked bonds, bad habits, um, wicked acts that, you don't want to do, 
but that the flesh would have a craving to do, those things all get undone. Praise the Lord. And they can get so undone that they fall off of you and they never come back on you again. Because what allowed them to come on you in the first place is something that you have now permanently closed the door to on the devil. You know that if you curse and use profanity, you attract demons to you and you could, you could attract a curse to come upon you. And if the curse doesn't come on you, did you know that if you use profanity and curse, it can come on a demon uh, could come on your children. So that's the thing. These areas of wickedness. Well, when you fast and pray, all of that stuff falls off. And what the enemy has also done just comes undone. Amen. And from then on going forward, you walk in the ways of the Lord. Amen. And you let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Amen. Hallelujah. Not profanity. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> uh, my wife and I had a, a very nice man at our house recently doing some work, and he'd just gotten his heart right with God, just got saved. And he said, oh, he said, oh, Stephen, I used to curse. I mean, this was just, you know, like a few months back. He said, I just used to curse and, and use the most profane words, even in public. And he said, one day, uh, my daughter just said, Daddy, do you realize the words that you're using? And that really hit him because he didn't. Yeah, he was almost like, a, like the Bible talks about in the book of Jude, wild beast. You know, I, you can walk through the airports or walk through a mall today or crowded areas. You hear people today in public use the most profane words out loud. And that's wickedness. But this, this man told me that when he got saved, all of that just stopped immediately. And the peace in his family. And of course, the, the, he said his other workers are like, wow, hey, you don't do that anymore. He's like, no, I don't. What a difference. It's literally night and day. But those things fall off, praise God, very, very quickly. To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. That you break every yoke. The spiritual man, the spiritual woman, is a person that grows in the Lord, that matures in the Lord, and says, while there are times when others have supported me and have helped me, and we need those times, there's also my own personal responsibilities that I must accept and embrace. And one of those is prayer and fasting. Why? So that you break every yoke. Your pastor can't break every yoke. Your, your best friend, if they're the prayer warrior, they, they still can't break every yoke. Why? Because they're also living a life. And they have a lot of things coming at them. And there is a point you're full. You're maxed out in your ability to respond to all of the various needs around you. So there comes a place where you say, well, Lord, I have a key and you've given it to me. It's the key of prayer and fasting. And Lord, you and I can work on this together. I can break this yoke. And you can. And see, the yoke was the instrument of wood that went around the neck of an animal and it binds that animal so that uh, the person can control that animal and the animal now is subjected to work and do these various tasks. And so the, the enemy puts these yokes on people, even on God's people, but you know what? You can break it. How? Through prayer 
and fasting. Pastor Stephen, I've got a pretty strong yoke. God's got a much stronger anointing. Praise the Lord. God's got unlimited power. So you can break it. It, it doesn't matter if it's a fear of maybe standing in front of people or speaking in front of people or a fear of getting on an airplane or uh, whatever the case might be. Any yoke that the enemy could fabricate and construct, there is an anointing that can break it through prayer and fasting. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? Verse 8, then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. So there is the place of prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 2. Let's go over to Mark chapter 2. God wants you to be a spiritual man. Ladies, God wants you to be a spiritual woman. These are the ancient paths. There's no need to try to reinvent the wheel. There are some modern preachers today. They're constantly trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we have committees today uh, from uh, branches of the UN and so forth and other uh, committees. They're trying to even reinvent man. They have a, a, a man 2.0 version <laughs> as if God's creation's flawed or something like that. But they think they can solve all the problems. But my friends, the only solution is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in keeping his commandments. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 2 verse 19. Well, let's start in verse 18. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Well, I've heard some ministers say that, well, Jesus was taken away for, you know, his death, you know, for three days. But then after he was raised from the dead, and, you know, then shortly thereafter on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So now the, now the Holy Spirit is here, and so the presence of the Lord is here, so we don't need to fast. But that, my friends, is a, oh, uh, a real, real bad, mis uh, it's, a, it's a misinterpretation of Scripture. Jesus will come back one day. We're going to go to meet Him in the clouds. We're going to meet Him in the air. Praise the Lord. Amen. But my friends, until then, there are those times when we must press in with fasting and also with prayer. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. The days will come. Well, those days right now are here. What does it mean? It means that for the end time saints, we are to be people of prayer and fasting because the bridegroom has been taken away. What does that mean again? That means then that those are the seasons when we pray and fast. So fasting is a position of humility that we take. And when we take this position, it does allow the Lord to come in and fight our battles for us. Wow. Praise God. Let's go now to second Chronicles chapter 20, 
Praise the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We need to be well grounded in the basics of the faith. We need to have faith. We need to trust God. We need to believe his word. Mm-hmm. We need to pray. Yes. But we need to also embrace the biblical principles and truths of fasting. Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, those are the three big ones right there. They're the pillars of the Christian faith. You can imagine how weird and strange it would be for a Christian to say, well, we don't really need to pray today. Or, or, you know, that was for the Old Testament. But no, every believer knows that as Christians we should pray. Especially if you want to be spiritual, you want to be victorious. So Jesus talked about praying and fasting and giving. So we, we need to have the full picture. Again, symmetry can be a great challenge. Can be a great challenge where you could be strong in one area. But what happens is when you begin to pull things together properly, that's really where the uh, real development takes place. That's really when your life becomes beautiful. In other words, if the symmetry is off, uh, let's say one arm's bigger than the other and one arm's longer than the other, then that's going to look really weird because God uh, created everything with symmetry. Now, I know there's small differences. Uh, It may not seem like it, but one arm is stronger than the other. One leg is a dominant leg. And it's also true with our eyes. You may think, well, I can see fine or whatever the case might be. But one eye, one eye is going to be stronger than the other eye. So uh, we have these areas, but you want to bring up balance. And that's what symmetry is, where everything is strong and there's a balance. There can be small levels of difference, but you want to pull it all together. Prayer, uh, you're giving, but we need to also embrace the fasting or else something is going to be lopsided. And we certainly don't want the table falling over because it's lopsided. We don't want our lives to be like that either. Second Chronicles chapter 20, excuse me, verse one, it happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in, in Gedi. So a great multitude is coming. Well, Pastor Stephen, we've got the key to that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's just sit down. Let's pray about that. And we're going to cast that care over on the Lord. And praise God, everything's going to be just fine. Well, that's, that's good if you can pray into that level of peace where you sense, yes, we have prayed and we're in that place of uh of protection and uh, help from the Lord. That's good. But in sometimes in very difficult situations such as this, an army is coming after you and they're not coming to have a picnic. They're coming to kill you and kill all the women and probably kill the children too. And everything that you've worked for, they're going to take it all away. So these are very serious moments and they require a serious response. You know, as spiritual men and women, we are full of the joy of the Lord. We love life. We, we can enjoy life. Hey, I can enjoy a slice of pizza. I can enjoy a nice meal. I know what that is. I, I enjoy those things. But there's also a place, along with our joy, where there does need to be a maturity where there is 
seriousness at times because the situation demands it. And if we're going to uh, not move towards that because that's not cool or that's not modern or whatever, then, then that's why people suffer defeat because they're playing around and they don't take these things seriously. And maybe they pray a little bit, but they don't fast or anything like that. And then the next thing you know, they've become another statistic. Wow. You know, every year in America, three million people walk away from the church and never come back. You think, where in the world do they go, Pastor Stephen? Oh, they just stay home, watch TV all day on Sunday. That's all, that's all they do. They're walking away from the things of God and from God himself. But you know what? The remnant is strong, and the work that God is doing, God's not just doing a shift, but he's also doing a sift. Woo, praise the Lord. So be aware of that, because God is mobilizing his people for exploits, amen, and those that know how to work with the basics, those who know how to take command of the word, because they have knowledge, working knowledge of the word, and overcome the various situations. So just pull out the key that you need for the situation, and here, let's pull out the key, which is what Jehoshaphat does, of prayer and fasting. Again, various situations demand Different types of response. And Jehoshaphat feared. Now I know you've got the Christians today that are all, they're all talk. They've actually never faced battles. They've actually never been around a real general of the faith, nor have they ever led on the front. So they're the armchair critics who have learned the Christianese, the language of the church, although they can't live it, they can sure talk it really good and also uh, hurled out a whole lot of criticism from the comfort of their recliner. But it says here, and Jehoshaphat feared. And people say, oh, you know, he's, in, he's just in fear, and he doesn't have faith. But hey, man, th there's an army coming after him. In other words, these are real situations. And so he at least knows the ancient path, and he knows what to do. What's that, Pastor Stephen? Go see the psychiatrist and get some more meds, get a stronger prescription? No. No. Let's face life. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I can't handle it. I'm going to go get drunk. No, no, no. No. We only have one option. God. Okay? Stop looking to all of these other options. Stop, you know, trying this, trying that. We need to look to God and work the principles of his word, and when we do, we come out on top. Praise God. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. Oh, Pastor Stephen, they're just overreacting. I'm ready for anything just the way I am. Well, I guess we would find out, wouldn't we? If there was an army showed up at your door, and uh, maybe they've got machetes and spears and butcher knives, and they want to take you out. We'll find out if that causes a reaction in you or not. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. But I'm telling you that when you pray and fast, that is positioning yourself in a place of humility through which God takes over our battles. Praise the Lord. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. 
And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Yes, they, they're coming to seek the Lord. And also you're grouping together because there's safety in numbers. There's the safety in the multitude. At least you have strength because when these groups come in, they're going to start picking off all the small towns, the ones that are least fortified. And then they're going to eventually move to the main city and begin to besiege it. But my friends are gathering together to seek the face of God. Amen. And God did a miracle for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And so they won. Praise God. They won because God gave them the victory. God fought for them. And the end result was that they carried away a lot of spoil and they were blessed. But my friends, when things get hot and heavy, you need to pray and fast and don't act like you're praying. And this is everything's going to be okay. When you're getting this underlying situation of like, this is serious. We have to do more than just throw up a few little prayers and act like, Oh, now we're in peace. No, you have to know. And that requires uh, doing whatever it takes in a response to get into that place of peace where you can hear from the Lord and pray it all over, praise God, and then you'll see God intervene. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I like uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 58. I want to go back there just for a moment. Uh, I want to talk about some of the things that fasting uh, will do. Prayer and fasting, of course, uh, is you taking a position of humility and allows God to step in because He likes it when we cry out to Him for help. And it allows God to step in and fight our battles. Number two, fasting increases our access into divine guidance. Back to Isaiah chapter 58. And we see a great example of divine guidance in verse 11. Verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I remember one time I was going down the prayer line in a church and I prayed for one man who uh, had all the verbiage correct. He was always the one that could, uh, you know, quote a scripture or actor. He could always act real religious and pious. <laughs> now, if you had a walk with the Lord, you could see that all of that was like a religious facade uh, because the truth was, is that he had a lot of issues. But I remember I'm just going down the prayer line one time and I put my hand on him and I, uh, and, and I was under the anointing. And the power of God was very strong, and I put my hand on him, and when I touched him, he just, he like groaned out real loud. And he said, oh, I'm so dry and dead on the inside. He, couldn't, he could not hold the truth from jumping out. The truth was that he was dry and dead on the inside. But a lot of times people put on these personas of being, you know, the religious pillar of strength and truth when they're not, it's just a big act, but they're never going to admit it. So they like doing all of that. But you know what? You can run up against things in life that if you're going to be like that, uh, the devil has no respect for that. That doesn't 
make him back off at all. That's not going to make him say, oh, okay, well, let's not mess with that person. No, the devil takes his steamroller and just rolls right over them and grinds them into the ground. I've seen it happen over and over. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So when you pray and fast, there is a continual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, and you'll never be dry. I'm telling you right now, that is where so much of this dryness is coming from, so much of this fake spirituality, so much of this shallow spirituality, it comes from not praying and not fasting, mm -mm. but learning all the kingdom lingo. Wow. But again, the devil doesn't respect that. He doesn't respect that. And so people get taken out. They get hit, and they, there's no response. They don't know what to do. But I'm saying today, my friends, that as you pray and fast, you'll never have another dry season ever again in your life. Listen to this. You have a business. You'll never have another dry season in your business ever again. You'll, have an, you'll never have another dry season in your marriage or in your family, and most importantly, in your personal walk with the Lord. Praise God. Mm -mm. God is committed to leading you if you are committed to following him. But if you're not committed to following him, you're not going to be able to pick up on that leading. So often we want to do what God wants, but we have this baked in thing of also wanting to do our own thing. But you have to be willing to lay that down and do what God wants to do, knowing that that's the best plan. And if you're committed to following him, he is committed to leading you. Praise the Lord. But you have to be all in. You have to be all in. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Next, number three, fasting brings rejuvenation of health and vitality. Isaiah 58, verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Verse 8, verse 8 then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your healing shall bring, shall spring forth speedily. I think it was last year that uh, a well-known actor, Burt Reynolds, he died. And, uh, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, he made a lot of corny movies a lot of them, of course, were vile, but he made a lot of movies, and he was always the, the hero. You know, he was the, supposed to be the good-looking, suave man, you know, suave, and all the ladies liked him and stuff like that. But, you know, he got, he got old, just like anybody else does, as you keep on living. And uh, before he died, uh, sometime before he died, he made an interesting statement, uh, which, which was basically kind of like, he's ready to leave. He said, you know what? He said, there comes a point when you get older, you just get tired of sucking in your stomach all the time. <laughs> what did he mean by that? Well, what he meant by that was that, you know, for decades, he was the Hollywood movie star. He was the, quote, handsome man, unquote. But as he got older, you know, he gained weight and stuff like that. And you don't, you don't have those, you, those looks and things like that. And, you know, his stomach got bigger and everything like that. But you, you still expect it. You're still expected and you have all this pressure put on you to maintain that look somehow. So that meant, you know, you got to walk around, suck in your stomach and all that and, uh, you know, present a false persona. 
And uh, he just got tired of doing all of that. But I'll say this. There is an element of fasting, prayer with fasting. Uh, it can produce, I, I'd call it some time machine results. You better believe it. Amen. You know, I visit my, my mother. She's 80, 81. I visited her uh, just a few months ago. And she said, Stephen, she said, out of my three boys, she said, I believe you're the one that have the genetics where you'll, you, you just won't gain weight. And I, I just smiled and I, I didn't really answer. I kind of like shifted the statement, shifted the conversation in a different way because I know that's not true. <laughs> now, people see me and they think, oh, and now, Pastor Stephen, now you used to, you ran track in high school. You were a distance runner. And so you're skinny. And then you, when you went into college, you ran track then. And so you're a distance runner. So you're skinny. So you're a skinny distance runner. Oh, hold, hold on a minute. That was over 30 years ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Almost 40 years ago. Lord have mercy. So no, no, no. I'm not riding on those coattails anymore. That's long gone. I don't even run anymore. I've got running shoes because uh, they're comfortable, you know, in day-to-day -day activities, you know, but no, I don't run anymore. So uh, I didn't tell my mom, oh, oh no, that's not true because I didn't want to take the time to explain it. Nor did I in some ways want to unveil kind of how this works for me. But I'll just tell you how it works for me. Uh, for those of you that want to understand the element of spirituality, it has benefits. Fasting and prayer keep you skinny. Amen. That's just all there is to it. It's not something with me that's genetic because my other brothers, they're, they're living the normal course of life. You get past 40, you get into your 50s, you start bumping up to your 60s, and on you go. Then your metabolism might slow down or this or that. But there's, I'm telling you, there is some rejuvenating effects. There are some time machine effects when you are a person that prays and you fast consistently. And I believe that you'll live a long life, and I believe that you'll have a high quality of health. And if you don't have that health as you begin to merge into these areas of the spiritual walk of prayer and fasting, watch it touch your body. Because I've had various seasons of my life. I had the season when I was younger, I got into the you know strength training. And I got real strong. You know, I could put the two plates, uh, you know, the 45s on each side. And I, I could throw around 225 on bench and do all that. I throw it around like a little sack of potatoes. You know, did all that. And strength is fun. There, there's an element of that. There's scriptures, you know, the scripture, uh, the glory of young men is their strength, you know. But you, you're not going to stay 22 uh, forever. Okay, you're going to eventually move past that. But when you do get older and you begin to, you know, move along through the various decades of your life, uh, you begin to realize a couple things. One is that, of course, strength is good. But here's, one, here's something about strength. The stronger you get, the bigger your, your waistline gets. That's all, that's all there is to it. You look at power lifters. If you look at the super heavyweights in the Olympics, uh, the stronger you get, the bigger the waistline is going to get. But my friends, a flat stomach, staying in shape in that area, is something that you don't even have to fight for when you pray and fast. It just comes. <laughs> it just comes. Hallelujah. Amen. And you, you stay mobile. You stay happy. You stay quick. And so when you get older, I found that that's actually more valuable than strength. You know, because here's what you'll also learn about strength. Wisdom is better than strength. 
Pastor Stephen, I can deadlift 500 pounds. That's good. Move out of the way. I don't need to do that. I'll go get a forklift. <laughs> right? You, you get smarter when you get older. At least you're supposed to. And so that wisdom can offset maybe some of the things you couldn't do. Uh, you, uh, you can't do now that you could do when you're younger. But as far as mobility and being able to get out of bed, move around and stuff like that, stay light on your feet. Wow. I tell you what, uh, when you pray and fast, that's just a blessing that goes along with that. It's just a blessing that goes along with it. You know, my father was a very good man. He would read his Bible. He loved the Lord. He was in church pretty much every time the church doors were open, he'd be in church, but he always struggled for uh, most of his adult life. He always struggled with health issues. And so because of that, he was on a lot of prescriptions. There were certain ones, as a matter of fact, that my mother told me that if your father misses one of these prescriptions, then he could die at any moment because he needs all of these. He has to take them all every day. And of course it's a big long line. And then you, then you have the complexity of making sure when you take them and it becomes almost like trying to oversee your own chemical laboratory of getting all of this stuff right. But here's something that's interesting. Um, his doctor told him one time and said, if you'll just lose 15 pounds. And that 15 pounds was right here. It was mainly right here. So guys are different. A lot of times with guys, uh, it, it, when you add the weight, it goes where? It goes right here. It doesn't go on your arms, legs. A lot of times it goes right here. And that's the worst kind of weight for a guy to add it in a sense as far as a health factor. The doctor told my father, if you'll just lose, now listen to this, listen to this. If you'll just lose 15 pounds, you can get off every single one of these drugs. You won't need any of them. And he never did. He never did. He would maybe, maybe walk a mile a day and he didn't really like it. He didn't really like it. But my friends, uh, these things affect their quality of your life. These things, these things can keep you back from stepping into what God has for you. Now remember life again, you, you need symmetry. Again, you can have one area of your life that's developed beautiful. You can have your finances in pristine conditions where the angels give you blue ribbon awards because you've got that dialed in and you're doing really good. But you could have this area over here where your body is like, unless you do something, you're going to have some problems down the line. And let me say this, there's one place you never want to go to in today's world. And that's the hospital. That's one place you don't want to really be spending the night in because of all the stuff going on in the hospitals. My goodness. Uh, doctors are doing the best they can. Nurses are doing the best they can. But in today's Western culture, the moment a hospital is built, it doesn't matter if they can seat 400 people. That moment that hospital is built and open, whoop, it's full. And all hospitals are full. All beds are full all the time. <laughs> so it is a gigantic money-making machine. And doctors are trying to alleviate pain and suffering. They are trying to help people. But at the same time, that is a system that you never want to get into. You want to stay healthy. Praise God. So prayer and fasting brings rejuvenation of health and 
vitality. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Then your light shall break forth like morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. By the way, as I'm sure many of you know this, when you fast, it's kind of funny people's mentalities. Uh, you know, there's, there's exercise commercials out there, you know, lose weight, uh, lose the weight on your thighs or lose the weight on your stomach or lose this. Look, when you, when you pray and fast, when you fast, you're going to lose weight. The truth is that you lose it from all over. It's not like you're going to spot fast and lose it on your arms. Yes, I'm going to focus on this fast, lose weight on my arms. No, it's just going to start melting everywhere simultaneously. But it is true that the last area that it really begins to work is the stomach area. And even out of that, the ultimate area where a fast would really begin to hit, it's only in the latter stages, is the lower stomach area. So um, I never fast for the purpose of health benefits. I never fast thinking, I'm going to lose some weight. No, that's just all icing on the cake. I pray and fast to draw near to the Lord and to walk the life that he wants me to walk in and also to practice the principles of Jesus that he put right out there and open for us to obey. And to me, they're not suggestions. To me, they're, they're commandments. He said, when you pray, this is how you do it. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, this is how you do it. When you give, this is how you do it. Can you imagine a Christian that didn't give ever? You think, wow, there's a serious malfunction there. And there would be, there would be, but it's the same thing with the Christian that doesn't fast. Something is going to be missing in their spiritual development. But my friends, you don't have to fast yourself all the way down. Amen. If you need some extra cushion or some extra padding, whatever the case might be, that's good. Amen. But I am saying that fasting, wow, wow, it can cause energy release burst. Praise God. Mm-mm. Glory to God. Let's move on. Number four, fasting impacts your children and your grandchildren for righteousness. This is very, very powerful. Isaiah 58 verse 12, those from among you, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So when you pray and fast, you may think, well, I'm, I'm kind of working on this one area, believing God to move in this one area to do a miracle or whatever the case might be. Sometimes you don't realize that the way that your life unfolds actually affects, it affects in a very righteous way, the life of your children and grandchildren. And you may not even be around to a point where you see the full uh, impact of that. But just know that as you repair the breach and as you uh, endeavor to live for the Lord and to be the person that God called you to be, it is going to affect your children and your grandchildren in a very, very righteous way. In Psalm 112, it talks about the legacy of the righteous believer, praise God, and its effect even upon the children and grandchildren. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Number five, fasting expedites the fulfillment of prophecies. Prophecies require warfare 
in order for there to be fulfillment. First Timothy chapter one, let's turn over there just for a moment and drop down the verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You know, there's a promised land, wow, that God has for every single one of you to step into. The place of blessing, the inner vision that God has revealed to you concerning your future and your destiny. Yes, there's a Canaan land. There is a promised land. But my friends, prophecies are conditional. And you have to do your part and jump in there to make sure that they are fulfilled. And I tell you what, when you pray and fast, you are doing your very best to see to it that your Canaan land experience becomes a reality. And that those prophecies don't just float around, you know, year after year, but they are fulfilled in the divine timing and sequence that God has allotted for them to be manifested in praise the Lord. So fasting expedites the fulfillment of prophecies. Number six, and I have eight points. Number six, fasting and prayer energizes your faith to dislodge stubborn resistance. To me, this is one of the biggest reasons why I pray and fast. Mark chapter four, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter nine really opens this up in a very enlightening way as Jesus is dealing with his apostles and their failure to accomplish an assignment that was before them. Mark chapter nine, let's go to verse 15. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? The one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Things are very interesting when you begin to work, not solely in the physical realm, but also you're having to engage situations that are linked to the spiritual realm. And in order now to be effective, you cannot just be one dimensional. You're going to have to be a person that yes, understands the physicality, but also understands the real world of the spirit realm and how that is affecting things. And you have to be able to move in, the, in, in that realm effectively. Praise God. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. That's because the apostles couldn't cast the spirit out. Now verse 22, and often he has thrown him in both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Sure sounds like the devil to me. Pastor Stephen, I don't know if this is God or the devil. Well, just remember God's good and the devil's bad. Devil tries to kill people, tries to kill children, throwing him into the fire and water. That's certainly the devil. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So the problem here is, yes, we have a stubborn spirit that doesn't want to leave, but that's not the lowest common denominator of what the problem is. The problem here is the unbelief in dealing with spiritual 
challenges, spiritual issues. Some things that are physical, you can just fix it. You can just repair it. You can just work on it and fix it. But things that are spiritual, you're going to have to have faith in God. So there's a link now to believing. Praise the Lord. Well, Jesus cast it out. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Again, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So there is a demand at times that requires a response where we get the right key. And on this one, it's not solely the key of prayer. It is the key of prayer and fasting. And if you only use prayer, you're not going to be able to move it. I think there is something so special about prayer and fasting where these things of resistance, evil spirits in this realm of the spirit realm, you begin to get numb to it, not to the reality of it, but to the resistance of it. And something rises in you, which is faith. And you just say, you've got to go and you've got to go now. Praise God. And that's just a strong faith that's not distracted, that's not bogged down, but it's just vibrant, and it's very, very powerful. I love the story of the time that uh, years back in the uh, 1970s, when R.W. Schambach said that there were some people on the deliverance team that were trying to cast out the demon uh, that was in this person, and the demon didn't want to come out. And this was all going on at a tent meeting that was being held by A.A. A. Allen. And so, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people would come with demon problems so they, they could get delivered there. But uh, there was a person had a demon, and those on the deliverance team were trying to cast it out. And the thing was being real stubborn, wouldn't come out. And then uh, R.W. R. Schambach said, well, let me take my turn at this demon. And so uh, he tried to cast it out. And this went on with him for about two hours trying to get the demon out of this uh, person. And the demon wouldn't come out. And uh, he went and told A.A. A. Allen about the situation. And so A.A. Uh, A. Allen went to the person uh, privately. And uh, thump, it was over just like that within a couple of seconds. And um, the, the demonized person was actually sitting in the car. So they would go at the previous, they were all in the car trying to cast a demon out. So nobody was having any success. Shambach had no success. But A.A. Allen went in the car and, uh, and then Boop, he's right out of the car. And he says, the person's free. The person's good. The demon's gone. And Shambach said, oh, hold on a moment. No, 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 no. You're not doing that to me. He said, what did you do in there? Because we've been working at this for hours. He said, well, I just went, opened the car door, sat down in the car, closed the door. And he said, I'm A.A. Allen, and you're going to have to go now. And the thing came right out. But see, that authority that power flows from a life that's yielded to prayer 
and fasting. And he would go into those meetings with prayer and fasting because you're going to have situations like that all the time. And Brother Shambach said he learned a lot through that experience that there are some things they're not going to move unless you invest yourself into the deeper walk and you move into that. Praise God. Glory. You know, my wife and I used to belong to a really good ministerial association years back. This was at the very beginning of my ministry. So, um, you know, this is going back quite a while. But um, while this association has some really good ministers and they love the Lord and they're really developed in the area of faith, believing God and trusting the promises of God, um, hardly any of them had any interest really in prayer and fasting. Now, they would agree that prayer was important, but it's almost like fasting was almost like a taboo <laughs> to them. <laughs> and very, very few of them engaged it. Matter of fact, the only ones that did engage it were the ones that were missionaries or the apostles that would travel to other nations and that had to deal with demon problems. But the, uh, the American ministers who belonged to the so, uh, ministerial association had zero interest in prayer and fasting. And, uh, you know, and that's also why there was dryness. And I just, after a while, realized, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to move on and uh, camp somewhere else. Not that I ever, in a sense, camp permanently. You know what I mean? Because we're all moving on to Zion. But I said, Lord, I got to get around some fire. I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I got to get around some people that want some fire and are not just uh, living on past laurels, you know, or on a previous move where the wave is already beginning to uh, wind down. And so, sure enough, God began to connect me and plug me in with people that were having vibrant ministries, vibrant churches, and things like that. And of course, you, you know, you can't help but hear of all of the explosive growth with the, uh, the African churches in Nigeria, or whatever it might be, or Seoul, Korea, and these types of places, and they're running these powerhouses of prayer and fasting. <laughs> That's the generator. Now, yes, there's faith. There's the preaching of the Word. There's the ministry of the Word. But, you know, um, I, I had a minister friend, just he came and visited me recently, Actually, just a couple of days ago, he was he was sitting right over here. He and I were talking, and uh, he just got back from Nigeria, and he spoke at Dr. Paul Inichi's church. And Dr. Inichi, uh, you know, his church building seats 100,000 people uh, every Sunday, filled to capacity. And so my friend just got back because he spoke there. He spoke at Dr. Inichi's church, and he said, uh, Stephen, he said, every Friday night, they have all night prayer and it starts at nine o'clock at night and goes till six o'clock in the morning. Please listen very carefully to me right now. And he said, so it's all night prayer Friday at night till six in the morning, the following morning. And he said, I went there and he said, everybody that comes, nobody leaves and nobody goes to sleep. And the whole group prays from nine till six. He said, but I went there were 100,000 people in the building, and there were 11,000 outside. And nobody left all night long. Everybody stayed and prayed all night long. And he said, so when I went in there, he said, I've, I had a, I've had a back problem for a long, long time that has not 
been healed or cured or anything like that. I've trusted the Lord for it, but it hadn't manifested yet. He said, when I walked into that building, the presence of God was so strong, I was healed instantly. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody prayed for me, but the power of God and the presence of God was so powerful, I was healed instantly. And so the thing is, is that these types of ministry works understand the need to combine prayer and fasting. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Because you're up against different kinds of situations. You're some of these countries you're dealing with unstable governments, extremely corrupt government officials, uh, uh, corrupted way beyond what ours are. <laughs> Although uh, DC is probably the world leader in overall uh, political corruption, but that filters around the world. That's a global problem. It's not so much a USA problem. That's just a global problem because after all, you don't have corrupt governments. You have corrupt people. Governments are what? Uh, they're people. So the reason you have corrupt governments is because you have corrupt people. If you have righteous people, good people, moral, ethical people, and then they're in leadership, then you have good ethical government. So it's, it's, a, per, it's a people or a person problem, really, when you look at it. But my friends, we must be people of fasting and prayer because it energizes your faith to do what? To dislodge stubborn resistance. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Number seven, prayer and fasting removes fear. Wow. And again, just like Jehoshaphat, that fear hit him. It, it's, it's a spirit <laughs> and it can come packing. I tell you what, it can bring it with it. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's something about it. When you start praying and fasting, that fear just evaporates. Now it's a spirit. So it's not like it just dissolved and, you know, but it's backed off and it's, it, it cannot get through that shield of protection of peace that is supernaturally surrounding you. Let's take a look at this for a moment in the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter eight and verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer. So we fasted and we entreated. So they're going to make this long journey from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem. And it's dangerous. It's there's areas where you're going to go through zones that are lawless zones. There is no police force. There is no sheriff. It's just you and your group. And he's not taking the King's guard or any bodyguards. So they're taking this journey. And by the way, they're also traveling with a lot of money. Verse 26, I weighed into their hand 650 talents of silver, silver are articles weighing 100 talents, 100 talents of gold. So there is the threat of theft. There is the, the theft of, uh, you know, just a, a, a raiding raider type group coming in like a small militia and just killing people and things like that. So what did they do? They prayed and they fasted. What is the result? Verse 31. Then we departed from the river of Ahava, on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, 
and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. So we came to Jerusalem and stayed there. Praise God. Glory to God. They made it. And you know what? You're going to make it too. Praise the Lord. We're walking in light. We are using kingdom keys to win in life and to be successful in what God has called us to do. And number eight, prayer and fasting, it positions you for accuracy in your divine assignment. This is very interesting. By the way, this is not just for ministers, although we have an example of ministers here, but it's for those that are very serious about being accurate in what God has called them to do and getting the job done. Again, praying and fasting, it positions you for accuracy in your divine assignment. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So here, my friends, we have these various men and their prophets and teachers. Some are prophets and teachers. Some would just be a prophet. Others like just a teacher. But that's the grouping that we have here. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, ministering to the Lord, you know, singing to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, praying together, and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. So praying and fasting positions you for accuracy in your divine assignment. And so you see the two men here, now they are promoted from prophetic teaching ministry. Now they are moving into their primary calling, which is that of apostle. Glory to God. So that's what that positions you for, and it releases you into the accurate assignment that God has for you. And the prayer and fasting help you to get it real accurate, help you to get it really, really dialed in. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. Let's take a look at that just for a moment. Acts 14 and verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, would we call it heaven? Well, you could say, sure, we have to go through various things to reach heaven. But you know, you've got to go through a lot of things too, also in the sense to enter into God's way of doing things, to enter into God's system, because it's so different from the world system. <laughs> it is so different. And so you have these challenges that, that, that you face when you're wanting to do it God's way and you're going to go God's way. That's where the blessing my friends is at. Praise the Lord. So you'll find that in life that walking in the blessings of God, walking in the power of God, it's not like there's just one singular thing that you do well, and then everything works together. You realize it's a package deal. 
And so you have to pull it all together, okay, because you need symmetry. You have to pull it all together as a package deal, and that's when, that's when things really begin to come alive, and your walk with God begins to flourish. And the main thing is that you just have a good relationship of knowing God as a person, as your friend. Oh, it's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Verse 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You know, if you're, if you're raised in church, maybe some of you can reflect back on some of the traditional norms that we had before culture went uh, completely haywire. But you know what? There was a time when we were kind of raised in church, particularly as teenagers, you know, you have the traditional church pizza party, because that's what teenagers want. You want Doritos, you want Coca-Cola, and you want pizza. Now, you have no idea that when you're a teen, that eventually one day your taste buds are going to change, and you're going to desire some other foods, okay? <laughs> but, you know, you're all happy. Yes, let's have another pizza party and talk about God. But eventually, as a spiritual man or woman, and of course, you can certainly be a teenager and, be, and move into sp maturity spiritually, because there's no age limit in this area. But, you know, eventually, there's a time you don't need to call Domino's. You don't need to call Pizza Hut. And uh, there's a time you don't call the pizza place at all. You don't call the catering company. You say, now on this meeting, we're going to be praying and fasting. And that's what they did. We're going to be appointing elders and assigning elders and placing them into position. And so let's do some prayer and fasting. We don't need any pizza right now. So my friends, this is uh, obeying the call. And again, you might not be somebody who's going to be plugged into as an elder or something like that. You might not be the one laying the hands on those or uh, working with the committee and praying and fasting to the side. Who are we going to put over this church that we just founded? And we started another one over here. Who are we going to put in some leadership roles? Okay. That might not be the role that God has you in, but you still have these areas where you must have accuracy. You must put the right person in. You must hire the wrong, excuse me, not the wrong person, the right person. Because <laughs> you get the wrong person in, oh, Lord have mercy. So either they're underperforming or making all kinds of mistakes, or, you know, maybe lighter in their resume and they, they say they know how to do this, and the truth is they really don't. <laughs> or whatever the case might be. So you need to get that right person into that place. Or maybe you're that person that's qualified and you're wanting them to select you, but they're being hoodwinked over here and they're about to put the right, excuse me, the wrong person in, and you're actually the right person and you know it. Well, I tell you what, we need to walk with the Lord so that things are done the right way and pray and fast. And wow, watch what God will do. You'll be slotted right in there. Amen. Perfectly. And you'll be just as happy as you can be because you're doing what God has called you to do. And you'll really be able to say, I love my life. Oh, yes, life has its challenges. But you'll really be able to say, Lord Jesus, I love my life. Thank you for allowing me to be born on this planet. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children, grandchildren. Thank you for my home, my car. Thank you for my food. Thank you, Lord, for my life. I really love my life. 
Now, some of you guys are thinking, well, the only way I could say that, Pastor Stephen, is maybe if I were born uh, and I had the physical gift to be a professional baseball player, and now I'm making uh, $40 million a year, and then I could stand out on the baseball field and say, I love my life. <laughs> but no, your life is what God has planned for you. And that's where the highest level of joy and blessing is at. So if that means you're supposed to be in the laboratory or in the school system or whatever it might be, educational field or even political field, wherever God has called you to, that's where you find uh, your happiness. And that's where you have that place of influence. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But regardless Regardless of where it, where it, whether it is, whether you're a minister behind a pulpit or preaching or Daniel standing in the executive court being the king's right-hand assistant, okay? That's, that's the highest political realm. That's, that's the highest of the high of, of executive administration. You need to incorporate prayer with fasting. Because also remember this. The closer you get to the center of anything that is the core, let's say ancient Babylon, you've got a Nebuchadnezzar, or you've got this great leader, and you're the right-hand man, yes, that's good. That's, that's wonderful. But remember, you're also, this is the, this is the realm where heads roll. This is the realm where the king can give one word, and your life's over. So, you have to have a different kind of a walk. When you get into these places, you have to have a control in your behavior, absolutely a control in your words. Why? Because this walk with the Lord will take you into this place where you stand in these places. But again, remember, the closer you get to the center of anything, oh, yes, it's going to be the most, it's, it's going to be more excellent. It's going to be a representation of the very best of whatever that is, even of the country. Okay. But also in that power zone, that's also where you could get pulled into uh, going with them into a wrong direction. And you don't want to get implicated in something. You want to live clean and pure. And you have to, you would have to have the strength to say, I can't do that. Uh, you know, I love you. I support you, but I, I, I can't cross that line, I, whatever it might be. You know, corporately, you, some things you can't do, you know, with business, you can't cross those lines. And um, you have to stand strong. Amen. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the flip side. The, the, the plus side is, is that you're in on it. The cameras are on you. Ooh, wow, you're in the news all the time. You're, you're at the center of that power core. The other side of that is that, yeah, that's a meat grinder. It's very explosive and... Um, it's a powder keg. <laughs> and so you have to know how to handle that. That takes a grace. So yes, uh, whether you're a minister or not, you need to incorporate prayer with fasting into your life so that uh, the right response comes out. Mm, 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 mm. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you for your people. They're too smart for the enemy. They're too smart. They're too smart. The enemy would even lay traps and plans, but when we walk in your light, Lord, there is a, there is a higher functioning. I thank you where either we see the trap or we just walk around it or we avoid it completely. We just thank you. We give you praise and glory.
We thank you, Father, for the various benefits of prayer and fasting. We thank you, Father God, that there's grace in these areas. And yet, at the same time, an altar would mean nothing if there were no sacrifice on the altar. So there is the discomfort. There is the uh, unpleasantness of not eating. <laughs> yes, and, and Father, we acknowledge that. Again, an altar of sacrifice is no altar if there's nothing on the altar. So, Father, if there were no sacrifice, it wouldn't mean anything. So we do acknowledge that fasting of denying ourselves for food for uh, whatever brief period of time it would be, or sometimes a lengthy period of time. We thank you, Father, that you're aware of this. You're aware of what we're going through and the humbling process that it entails. And we thank you, Father God, that you do miracles and that you're doing miracles for your people. And we thank you also, even outside of the miracles, that it is a spiritual way of living. Father, I thank you for longevity for your people. I thank you that the number of their days you will fulfill. And there are some that are watching me, Father, I thank you that should the Lord tarry and not return in our lifetime, there's some that are watching, they're going to go to a hundred and they're not going to be in a wheelchair either. They are going to be active. Sure, Father, they probably won't be able to do a marathon, but they're still going to be active and be able to go into work. But Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for these kingdom truths, no longer viewed as a mystery or as an air castle of some kind of mysterious walk, but Father, just as good old-fashioned kingdom living, kingdom walk. We give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. God, we give you praise. We just thank you. The anointing is present. God's goodness is here. Praise the Lord. If you haven't done any fasting for quite some time, merge back into it. Incorporate that into your life. And you'll never be dry. You'll never be dry. Hallelujah. For those of you that are watching and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today and have your sins washed away today. And I want you to call upon the name of the Lord. As you do, He will save you immediately and deliver you from sin. Those of you that don't know Christ, pray this prayer out loud. Pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, wash me with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Jesus, lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the way, prayer and fasting, it's a fast track. It is a fast track into the spiritual walk. Praise the Lord. You'll make very quick progress. Glory. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. You can use a cracker, a little wafer, whatever you have. I use these little um, portable communion sets where you have a little cup with the wafer and the juice. Okay? And you can order those online. You can order them at Christian bookstores or just Google it. It'll pull it up. You know, a uh, portable communion set. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And I've got some grape juice. Okay? 
So let's take communion together. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and we set it apart as holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for union with you, that we are in union, but we thank you for the realities of that unfolding in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that as we receive the Lord's body, that what is in him is what should also be in us. So, Father, when we read Scripture, we see that in him was the practice of prayer and fasting. And so let that be in us, too. We thank you, Father, that as we receive the Lord's body, we receive these revelations, these truths, and we thank you for your grace to walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Long life, long life and freedom, the ability to travel, the ability to not have any drugs in your body. God's going to get you there. Even as we're taking communion together, the communion, the, the blood and the flesh of Jesus are working to bring healing and health into your body. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus cleansing from all sin. And Father, if anybody has sinned against us, has hurt us, hurt us or has done wrong to us, we forgive them and we bless them and we continue on in you and in joy and in peace. And Father, we thank you for deliverance and miracles, answers and solutions coming to us. We thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus speaks protection and peace all over our lives and that the enemy has no access into our lives. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you have a very important job interview coming up, let's say it's four days away or five days away, pray and fast. If that's a job you really want and you feel God's in it, and that would be a breakthrough job, pray and fast. And I'm not saying that you have to, um, you know, just do water, just however it works with you and the Holy Spirit. You know, drink some juice. That way you still have energy. Because it's the last thing you want to do is go into the job interview looking wiped out. You want them to have no clue, no clue at all that you're fasting. Okay? So, yes, get, get the liquids, whatever you need, and, and just pray and fast and go in there with joy and confidence and go in there sharp. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God's opening doors. God's opening doors. Make sure that you play your role in this end time move of the spirit. And so that you have prayer and fasting in your life, by the way, fasting, when you come off your fast food tastes so much better. <laughs> Some of you haven't fasted in so long. You're actually bored of food. You've gotten so bored of food that when you pray and fast, 
it helps recalibrate things, causes taste buds and things to kind of get a, get a break. And then when they, when you come back on, bring it back online, everything seems better. That's because it is hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, thank you for your people. I speak your blessing over their life in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.